Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. Today is March 5th, so that means we are in Proverbs chapter 5. See, I am so glad that the days and the chapters line up because if they didn't, I wouldn't know where I would be today. So I am glad that they line up. We're going to go ahead and jump right into the text of Proverbs chapter 5. And it says this, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding, that you may preserve discretion and that your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is a, is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable. You do not know them, therefore hear me now, my children. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner, and all and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and say, how I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ears to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly of the congregation. Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the street, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Now, this is an important passage, and of course, Solomon here is writing to his son. That's that's how the book of Proverbs is really framed, is that it is Solomon, a father, of course, a king as well, writing to his son. And of course, Solomon here wants to go and to instruct his son specifically when it comes to sexual morality, but he starts off this way. He says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. He exhorts his son simply to pay attention, to pay attention. He continues on. He says, let your ear, uh, excuse me, lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and that your lips may keep knowledge. Now, this is this is a really important foundational place to, to really start as we go in to dive into this chapter. It starts with just simply pay attention, pay attention. And we need to hear this call. You, you're not too poor to pay attention. I want you to know it doesn't matter how poor you are. You're not too poor to pay attention. And you need to hear this. I need to hear this. Every single person needs to hear this. Pay attention. Do you do a good job of listening to those whom God has placed in your life? 
And of course, in order to pay attention, you must lend your ears is what it says. Lend your ear to my understanding. You need to listen to your teachers. You need to listen to those whom God put over you in your life because you need to hear them. And so this brings up a question. What monopolizes your ear generally? What do you spend most of your time listening to? I, I know that for some of the, the, the young mothers out there, they might be saying, well, most of the time I'm, I'm listening maybe to a crying baby or something like that, but that's not what I'm getting at. What, what are you lending your heart's ear towards? Your inner man, your inner person, your inner being, what are you lending that to? What are you listening to with your heart? Whose instruction are you seeking after to follow? Who is the biggest influence in your life? Because that's what Solomon is, is setting up in what he is talking about. He is saying, look, pay attention, pay attention. Those whom God puts in authority over you, those are the ones who should be the biggest influence in your life. You need to hear them and you need to set aside time to listen to those who God has placed in your life to instruct you. You need to do this. This is so important to go and to listen and to listen with your inner being to be influenced by them. You know, in today's culture, of course, this is Solomon here, a father talking to his son. And in today's culture, Unfortunately, the parent and child relationship is portrayed in just a, a terrible way in pop culture. It's in such a way where either uh, the, the children completely don't listen to their parents, their parents are just a, a bunch of bumbling buffoons that the children shouldn't listen to, as to what it's portrayed as, or in another way, they go and they just try to portray the, 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 the parent to be the friend of the child, just a friend of the child, you know, to be the, the, the cool parent, to be the one who they're always going and having fun with. And, and, and you should have fun with your children. I mean, don't think that you shouldn't have fun with your children. I, I have a lot of fun with my kids. They're, they're, they're great sons that I have. But you still need to remember the role here is to go and to teach, to rear up, to admonish your children, parents. Tell them, pay attention to me. Listen to me. You tell your children that, and you instruct them in the Word of God. But Solomon goes, and he gives this instruction to his son, and he gives his, his son some instruction on sexuality, and of course, the danger specifically with sexual immorality. And I just want to go over these fairly quickly because you need to understand this because sexual immorality is portrayed in, in one of two ways in our nation today, in our culture today. The first one is, is that it's prided, it's celebrated. It's one of those things where you're not cool unless you're into sexual immorality, whether you're part of that. That's why Gen Z, the generation here that's that's coming up, the Zoomers, why they have 18% of their generation in a recent study just found that they identify as LGBTQ, that, they're, that they are identifying with sexual immorality one-fifth and that's not even just counting the, the, the premarital sex. This is, this is just talking about those who are talking about identifying with as sexual perversion, literally saying part of my identity is sexual perversion. I mean, that, that is just bizarre. 18%, nearly one in five of Gen Z has that. 
So this this is something that we need instruction on. If you're a parent, I want to encourage you, instruct your children in this, but, but listen to what it has to say because it gives these dangers, and this is what it says that sexual immorality leads to. First of all, it leads to a bitter end. It might start sweet as honey, but it leads to a bitter end is what it tells us in verse 4. Do you want bitterness in your life? Do you want your children to have bitterness in their life? If not, well, if you don't want bitterness, then stay away from sexual morality and warn your children, admonish them, teach them not to go into sexual morality. But then also it goes and it leads to death. And it says that her feet, the, the sexually immoral woman, uh, the, the seductress here, it her feet lead to hell. It literally has has spiritual implication. This isn't just something that impacts you on this earth. It is something that can impact you greatly at the judgment seat. These are, these are sins that are worthy of condemnation. Now, of course, Jesus' blood can cover that sin, but, but we see this here that that this is something that's important. And you need to remember too, when we say that Jesus's blood can cover that sin, it, it, it's in the sense of so such were some of you. Let me tell you here, you can't be a gay Christian. It's impossible to have that identifier because they're two contradicting terms. I can't be a murderous Christian. I can't be a thieving Christian. I mean, those are bizarre things to say. And yet in our culture today, we have people going and saying, I'm a gay Christian. It's ridiculous people who don't understand the Word of God. The next thing it says in verse 9 is that it says it leads to loss of honor. Isn't that something you just strive for in life, to, to, to lose your honor? No, we don't want that. So we need to warn people not to get wrapped up into sexual morality because it leads to loss of honor. And it also goes and says in verse 9 that it leads to wasted years. You lose time. You look back and you realize, where did the time go? What did I do with my life? What did I do during that time? I wasn't accomplishing anything. It's wasted time. Then it says something very interesting in verse 10. In fact, I want to read this to you. In verse 10, it says this, Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. When you go down the path of sexual immorality, you literally what the Bible is warning you is that you can lose wealth and employment opportunity. You see, because once you get consumed with sexual immorality, if we go all the way back to Genesis and we have the, the commission that God made where he goes and he tells Adam and Eve, he says, look, I want you to go and to have dominion over the face of the earth, to go to be fruitful and to multiply on the face of the earth. There are two major major drives that, that God gives mankind in his creation. One is that dominion drive, that, that property drive to go into settle land, to go into have property or possessions, so wealth would go in that. The other one is to be fruitful and multiply, and that would be a, a, a sexual idea, sexual drive that he goes and he gives man. Now, if you go and you get lopsided in these drives here, you go and you give all to one and not a balance to both, what ends up happening? Well, if it's 
uh, that that property drive, that possession drive. Well, what's going to end up happening is is that you you accumulate all kinds of stuff and and go and accomplish great things with technology and have incredible feats, but you don't reproduce and your generation and your line dies off. It's it, it's a terrible, sad thing. But on the other side, what happens if you have just the sex drive, but not the property drive, or or that dominion drive, or 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 that possessions drive? Well, what ends up happening is that you don't want to go and accomplish anything. You become lazy. You go and you're, you're you're losing wealth because you're not going and working because you've got something else on your mind. And when you get enraptured with an immoral woman or if you get enraptured with sexual immorality, that's what happens is that your work drive goes down. Your, your ability to go and to want to work hard and, and, and accomplish great things, it goes down down because you've got something else on your mind. And that also, of course, then leads to a lack of employment opportunity. Somebody else is going to take your place. They're going to hire someone else to fill that job. Somebody else is going to get that promotion opportunity because you don't have the hard work that you need to have. Sexual morality impacts you in many more ways than probably what you've ever thought. In verses 11 through 14, the way to sum it up, although it gets really serious in there, is that it leads to a life of regret. I don't want any of you to go and to live a life of regret. I hope that you don't want to live a life of regret, and I certainly hope, parents, that you don't want your children to live a life of regret. So you need to go and to warn them about the dangers of sexual morality, and that's why Solomon was warning his son. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, well, this might be the pot calling the kettle black, not saying that Solomon was perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But we do know that these are the perfect words of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we ought to listen to them. Now, I do want you to understand this here because Solomon comes back to it. And of course, God comes back to it. And it is important to realize God isn't against sex He is for it, but it must be within the bounds that he sets up. In verse 15, it says this, drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. And of course, this is uh, going and talking about this whole idea of sexual sexuality here. God is saying, sex is good, but it's within the bounds that God created. And what is the bounds that God created? Well, he created sex to be between one man and one woman within the bounds of a marriage. That's what he created it to be within. He's not against it. He's for it. God created it. He said it was good. And he went and he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. It's only one way that happens. But he said it within the bounds of marriage. And so we need to go and to be promoting healthy, strong marriages, which means that we need to be giving an example to the next generation of a healthy, strong marriage, which means you need to be investing in your marriage. He concludes in an interesting way, and I want to conclude with one of the last verses that Solomon goes and and says, and that's in verse 21. He says this, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all of his paths. See, God sees and he knows what you are doing in every area of life, Therefore, you need to pay attention to what he commands you to do. Remember, that's how this chapter started off is 
Pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. Lend your ear. And here we see that this chapter ends and we find out that God pays attention to your life. So therefore, we ought to pay attention to who he is and what he has done for us. And of course, what has God done for us? Well, he has sent Jesus Christ, his son, to die on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day and whoever believes in him shall be saved. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, and 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And while we trust in Jesus, sometimes he leaves us waiting for his hand to meet. Oh, but even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome. So that war you